0: Hey everybody and welcome into another episode of Jake's Take. I am Jake Heller. Appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Hope y'all have had a great Sunday. So on tonight's show, I am going to recap Thursday night's race at Kansas Speedway. That's right. Thursday night, no race today. And with that, no race today, I feel like now is the perfect time race 19 of 36 to give a mid-season report card on all of the drivers and teams Appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Thank you for all of your support and following the Jake's Take podcast page on Facebook. Like I said, be sure to tell your friends about it. Click the like button. I really, really appreciate all of your support. So, Thursday night at Kansas Speedway, Superstart Batteries 400, Kevin Harvick and... Joey Logano on the front row. Obviously, you guys remember I picked Kevin Harvick. I thought this was pretty much just going to be a runaway. His track record at Kansas Speedway, especially when he is on the pole. But surprisingly, Kevin Harvick took the inside line for the start of the race instead of the outside like you usually see at Kansas, and Joey Logano got to the lead quickly. But as usual, It was a typical Joey Logano, Paul Wolf kind of race, but in a bad way. They took the lead early on. They led tons of laps. They had the track position, and then the caution flag came out for the competition caution. And when they were on pit road, sure enough, one of the tires got away, an uncontrolled tire, tail end of the longest line for the 22 car. And as we all know, being in traffic with this 550 horsepower package, that's never good. So from that point on, the Joe Gibbs trio, Martin Trex Jr., Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, they were 1-2-3, and Kyle Busch actually took the lead. And breaking news, guys, he won a stage. Kyle Busch finally won a stage this year, July 23rd, at Kansas Speedway. Who would have imagined that? Just to put it in perspective, the first stage that Kyle Busch won last year was the very first race of the season, the very first stage of 2019, the Daytona 500. So, sure enough, he won the first stage, but as usual, losing all the track position on pit road, Denny Hamlin, Chris Gabehart, their teammates, they took two tires. Denny was pretty much in control of the race, and it was a good back and forth battle for the lead, him, Martin Trex Jr., Brad Keselowski, and as we all saw, Ryan Blaney, he was up in the mix as well. Ryan had a very, very loose race car on Thursday night before it got dark out. And the one thing that I noticed throughout the race on Thursday night was, once again, 550 horsepower package, Kansas being such a fast racetrack, a lot of grip. It was easy to take two tires, get that track position, and just take off in clean air at times. And sure enough, that's how Brad Keselowski got the lead. That's how Martin Trex Jr. got the lead. And what a great battle at the end of stage two. Once again, just like Kentucky two weeks ago, the mentor versus the protege, Brad Keslowski passing Ryan Blaney with just two laps to go in the second stage to win stage two. It was like deja vu all over again. But once again, another round of pit stops, Denny Hamlin, Chris Gabehart taking two tires once again. And from that point on, that's when things got crazy. So, coming off of turn four, Matt Kenseth, he loses control. Goes right down into the path of Bubba Wallace. Nothing that Bubba could do. Tough, tough night for him, finishing 37th. And as Larry McReynolds and Daryl Waltrip always say on NASCAR on Fox, cautions breed cautions. So, just several laps after restarting that. Joey Logano going through turn two. Left front tire goes down. He hits the wall, collecting... His teammate, Matt Benedetto, Jimmy Johnson, and now out of the playoff picture at the moment, and Austin Dillon, last week's winner. Nothing that he can do. He hits Matt Benedetto, So you're thinking that should calm things down, right? Nope. Sure enough, a couple laps after that, once again, going through turn two and on the back straightaway, Christopher Bell tried cutting up in front of Ryan Newman, and we all know Ryan Newman. He does not give an inch to anyone. On the racetrack, especially if you're a rookie. So sure enough, he sent Christopher Bell for a ride. Newman got damaged. His teammate Chris Buescher. There was nothing that Chris could do. And Ryan Priest, a hellaci- hellacious shot. The inside wall, they're on the back straightaway at Kansas Speedway. I don't know what it is. Just that angle. Just that angle when you come off a turn two at Kansas Speedway and you spin down towards the inside wall, it is a nasty, nasty hit. But thankfully, Ryan is okay. Another another tough break. That's four straight DNFS for him. That's four races in a row that JTG Doherty Racing that they have finished last. Ryan Priest at Indianapolis, Kentucky, Texas Motor Speedway, and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. He only lasted 58 laps on Thursday night with some electrical issues. So sure enough, they briefly had a red flag. The race, lots to clean up on the back straightaway. And then Ryan Newman, not too long after that, you know, he had a tire go down and spun out. So his struggles continue, finishing 16 laps down in 28th. And once again, it all came down to a track position game. And William Byron, without Chad Knaus, as we all know, Chad Knaus and his wife, Brooke, expecting the birth of their second child, Keith Rodden, the interim crew chief, three years to the day of Casey Kane's final victory at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, Keith decides that he's going to keep William Byron out on the racetrack to get that clean air, get that track position. William had the lead for a couple laps, but, you know, Brad Keselowski, Jeremy Bollins, finally a night where they didn't have to rely too much on strategy to get track position. They were just lightning fast all night. And... William led five laps, Brad hunted him back down, took the lead, and here myself, a lot of people were thinking that Brad was just going to check out and win at Kansas Speedway for the second year in a row. No, William Byron. William Byron hunted Brad Keselowski down, took the lead back from him, led 18, 19 laps right then and there. It was looking like, could this be the night that William Byron finally gets that first win, finally gets the 24 back to victory lane, and Corey LaJoy spins out in turn two. And once again, it was all about track position, and William Byron and his teammate Alex Bowman, they both took two tires. Bowman was absolutely horrible on thursday night ran around 23rd 24th 25th most of the night sure enough they took two tires and byron really didn't have a lot of help on that last restart with uh, martin trex jr not really pushing him going three wide down the back straightaway bowman led a couple laps and here came the closer kevin harvick who hadn't led all night kevin harvick takes the lead and it was looking like You know, is Kevin Harvick possibly going to walk away with that fifth win of 2020? The first driver to win five races in 2020? Nope. It was his arch rival for this championship, Denny Hamlin. Denny passed Kevin Harvick with 13 laps to go. And even when Denny got the lead, here came Brad Keselowski out of nowhere. Boy, did he charge right up there to have a shot at Denny Hamlin. And... Denny, being a seasoned veteran like he is, he started running that high line through turns three and four where Brad was making up so much time on him. Sure enough, he took that line away that Brad was running that, where his car was so excellent all night long. And Denny Hamlin, the first driver to win five races this year in the 2020 season, season beating Brad Keselowski to the checkered flag by half a second. So an outstanding job for Denny Hamlin. Second straight Kansas Speedway victory. And here's a look at the top five finishers from Thursday night. Brad Keselowski second. Martin Turex Jr. third. Believe it or not, only his fourth top five finish of the season. Kevin Harvick in fourth, but it wasn't a typical Kevin Harvick, Rodney Childers four-team type of night. As he talked about, the car just didn't feel the same that it usually does at Kansas. Maybe it's that lack of practice and qualifying. And Eric Jones rounded out the top five. Now to the top 10. Eric Almirola, the streak continues. Eight consecutive top 10 finishes. He finished sixth. Teammate Cole Custer, just two weeks after that first win at Kentucky, seventh. Alex Bowman, a lucky eighth place finish after running around 23rd most of the night. Kurt Busch, 9th, and William Byron finishing 10th. Kyle Busch, he won that first stage, but he hit the wall. Him and Ryan Blaney, they both hit the wall, right? At about the same time, Kyle finished 11th, Ryan Blaney 20th. And, you know, Chase Elliott, Tyler Reddick, those were two guys I expect a lot out of them. Thursday night at Kansas Speedway, Chase was 12th, Tyler Reddick 13th. So the way I look at it is what I'm going to do now it is time for a NASCAR mid-season report card. And I'll tell you what, folks, there were some times I absolutely dreaded report cards when I was in high school. (laughs) So I'm going to go numerically. I'm going to start off with the number one of Kurt Busch, then the number two, Brad Keselowski, the three of Austin Dillon, so on and so forth. So Kurt Busch, he is 10th in points. No wins yet this season. His best finish, third at Auto Club Speedway and the very first Darlington race, our first race back, May 17th. Four top five finishes, 12 top tens, only 90 laps led on the season. I'm not going to lie, I would have to put Kurt Busch in the B-minus category. I'm honestly disappointed. I felt like him and Matt McCall, their second year together, I felt like they were going to show even more speed and more potential and made it to victory lane at this point in the year. But I'm completely shocked with the way that they have run so far this year. I don't know if it has anything to do with you know Kyle Larson being fired because I know him and Kyle, they, they relied off of each other a lot. They pushed each other a lot. But then again, Kurt Busch and Matt Kenseth, they were teammates together for five years at Roush. So B-minus for Kurt Busch. The number two of Brad Keselowski, currently second in points right now in what supposedly is a lame duck season. And that's the thing. At the beginning of the year, all the crew changes, getting Jeremy Bolins and Ryan Blaney's pit crew, Me and Josh Manley, we talked about it. We felt like if anyone was going to suffer the most from all of these crew changes at Team Penske, we thought it was going to be Brad Keselowski. We thought for sure this was going to be his last season at Team Penske, and it still could be. But two wins on the year, the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Memorial Day weekend and Bristol just one week later, seven top five finishes, 14 top tens, 444 laps led on the year. I am absolutely impressed with the job that Brad Keslowski and Jeremy Bollins have done in a contract season. I did not, honestly, at the beginning of the year, I'm sure you guys remember the old shows on the Average Joes. I said, you know, this is a lame duck season. I think this is going to be Brad Keslowski's last season. He's going to go take over the 48 car at Hendrick Motorsports. I told Josh, I said, you know, if they could win two races this year, I'll be happy with that. Well, they've won two races. They have seven top five finishes. And of those seven top five finishes, six of them have come since NASCAR resumed. 14 top 10s and 19 races. How incredible is that? Seriously, he is having quietly having one of the best seasons of his career amidst Everything going on with the contract situation. And Brad Keselowski, he told the media on Thursday night, he said that him and Roger Penske, they're making progress, but there's still a long, long ways to go in the contract. Could he still be at Team Penske in 2021? You never know. But with all the uncertainty, all the controversy with the contract, with Joey Logano, I would have to give Brad Keselowski and Jeremy Bolins, without a doubt, I have to give them an A. I give them an A. Not an A+, plus because there's still some races where they need to show a little bit more speed. You know, the Wednesday night race at Darlington, Texas Motor Speedway. There are several races this year, like I was going to say Homestead-Miami, the first Pocono race, where they have gotten better finishes than the car was capable of. Indianapolis was another one. So A, but I know they could definitely make, be an A+, plus and make it to that championship four in Phoenix. The number three of Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon, the surprising win at Texas Motor Speedway last Sunday. Two top five finishes. The only other one was a fourth at Las Vegas back in February. Five top 10 finishes, 28 laps led on the year. I would have to give Austin Dillon at the moment, I would probably have to give him, I would say, I would definitely have to say a B. I'm giving him a B because I feel like they have, RCR has definitely made strides this year reuniting him with Justin Alexander, finally getting some top five finishes after not having any all of last year. I feel like Austin Dillon has definitely improved this year, but at the same time, I feel like his teammate Tyler Reddick has done an even better job than him. So as of right now, I would have to say Austin Dillon, I think he'll be in the playoffs, but I see him getting knocked out in the first round. And of course, the championship leader, none other than the number four of Kevin Harvick. Four wins on the season, NASCAR's first race back May 17th at Darlington, Atlanta Motor Speedway, the Saturday race at Pocono, and the Brickyard 400 at Indianapolis Motor Speedway, 4th of July weekend, 12 top five finishes, 16 top 10 finishes in 19 races, a perfect round number, 700 laps led on the season. And the amazing thing is, out of these 19 races so far, you want to know how many laps Kevin Harvick has not completed? One. One lap. 26th place finish at Homestead Miami Speedway when Joey Logano got into him on Pit Road. Absolutely incredible. Without a doubt, Kevin Harvick, Rodney Childers, and the four team in A-plus. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I know Denny Hamlin has five wins on the year, but to me... To be the best, you got to beat the best, and I still feel like the best is Kevin Harvick, Rodney Childers, and the four team of Stuart Haas Racing. No matter what, that is still my pick to win the championship. Now, this one is a tough one, the number six of Ryan Newman. As we all know, the horrible, horrible crash that Ryan had at the Daytona 500 going for the win against Denny Hamlin and Ryan Blaney Just the hellacious shots that he took into the wall. And then, sure enough, getting hit by Corey LaJoy. And honestly, when it was looking like the worst. And nobody knew what to expect at that point. And sure enough, Ryan Newman is walking out of the hospital just two days later. But sure enough, that ninth place finish in the Daytona 500, that's the only top 10 that he has had so far this year. 34 laps led. A majority of them were obviously the Daytona 500. So missing those three races, I have to give Ryan Newman an incomplete. And like I said, this is hard because I like Ryan Newman. He's a great racer. He's very fair. He's very hard-nosed. Obviously, you could tell that he's struggling, and understandably so. But I would say as of, as of right now, definitely a tough, tough season. And, you know, hopefully it can get better. Otherwise, I would not be surprised if 2021 ends up being Ryan Newman's last season. And now, the rookie that everybody loves to talk about, the number eight of Tyler Reddick. <laughs> this guy has done an absolutely incredible job, finishing second at Texas Motor Speedway last weekend, one of two top five finishes. Obviously, the other one was Homestead Miami Speedway, where he finished fourth. Six top tens, 27 laps led on the season, compared to Daniel Hemrick, last year in that car. One top five, two top tens. Tyler Reddick, he definitely gets a B+ especially that equipment that he is in. He has impressed me so much. I would not be surprised if he makes the playoffs and gets that first win sooner or later this year, getting the eight back to victory lane for the first time since Dale Earnhardt Jr. at Richmond, May of 2006. NASCAR's most popular driver, the number nine of Chase Elliott. One win on the season, the Thursday night race at Charlotte back in May. Seven top five finishes, nine top tens, 451 laps led on the year. But all those top fives and top tens, they came earlier in the year. Him and Alan Gustafson, they have a hard time closing these races out. They have not had a top ten finish, not a single top ten finish, since the Sunday race at Pocono, June 28th. Think about that for a second. And this is someone that I consider championship form material. And we all know about the bonehead of call Alan Gustafson made at the Coca-Cola 600, pitting him out of the lead with two laps to go. That pretty much handed the race to Brad Keselowski. So Chase Elliott and Alan Gustafson in the nine team, I give them an A-. Number 10 of Eric Almirola. To me, I feel like this has definitely been a make-or-break year for Eric Almirola. And I was very critical of him at the beginning of the year. You know, he's only in the car because of the Smithfield sponsorship. He has to prove himself this year. And he has damn well proved himself this year. Three third place finishes, Talladega, the Saturday race at Pocono, the Brickyard 400 at Indianapolis. Five top fives, 11 top tens, 253 laps led on the year. Him and Mike Buggeravage, I definitely have to give them an A. Definitely an A. They need to do a better job closing these races out. You know, they they get great draws. They have that track position. They're usually a favorite to win that first stage. But they have to find a way to close these races out. And I wouldn't be surprised if it comes this Sunday at New Hampshire. That has been a great track for Eric Almarola, even the years that he was in the 43 car at Richard Petty Motorsports. Number 11, Denny Hamlin. The leader on the year with wins, five wins, Daytona 500, the Wednesday night race at Darlington, Homestead Miami Speedway, the Sunday race at Pocono, and Thursday night's race at Kansas Speedway. 10 top fives on the year, 11 top 10s, 523 laps led. Without a doubt, Denny Hamlin and Chris Gabehart, A+, without a doubt. And even when Chris Gabehart was suspended for four races, they still were in contention to win at Charlotte, to win at Bristol, to win at Atlanta. They struggled badly at Martinsville, but then again, a lot of Joe Gibbs Racing struggled at Martinsville. But Denny Hamlin and Chris Gabehart, I feel like they are a perfect match, They push one another to do even better than they're already capable of. They will definitely make it to Phoenix for the championship four. Obviously, the big elephant in the room is this finally Denny Hamlin's year. Only time will tell. But like I said, as of right now, my money is still on Kevin Harvick for this championship. Number 12, Ryan Blaney. The amazing win at Talladega Super Speedway back in June. Seven top fives, nine top tens, 512 laps led on the year. And Ryan Blaney and Todd Gordon, they have shown speed all year long. They should have multiple wins to their name. I wouldn't even be surprised if they could have had at least three or four wins to their name. Once again, it's the same situation as Ryan's best friend Chase Elliott. And how ironic, they both have one win, seven top fives, nine top tens. But they have a hard time closing these races out. Ryan hasn't had a single Top five finish since he won at Talladega in June. Only one top 10 ever since, and that was at Texas last week. So, Ryan Blaney, Todd Gordon, and the 12th team, I give them an A minus. Number 13, Ty Dillon. Ty Dillon has one top 10 finish, and it was a 10th at Las Vegas. Eight laps led on the year. You know, I hate to do this, but Ty Dillon, I got to give him an F. Seriously. Your brother won at Texas. Tyler Reddick has two top five finishes on the year. You're basically in the same equipment those guys are in. I know it's a satellite RCR team, but still. Ty Dillon, I felt like, was making progress last year. Uh, honest, I got to be honest with that. I, I got to give them an F. Only one top ten, and it was a tenth. And it was because a lot of people stayed out under that last caution at Vegas. So... Definitely a very disappointing year for for Ty Dillon. Number 14, Clint Boyer. Eric Cott said, without a doubt, this gets his vote for the most disappointing driver of 2020. As we all know, this is a contract year for Boyer. Make or break year. The crew changes that him and Eric Amarola went through. Eric Amarola getting Mike Buggeravage. Clint Boyer getting Johnny Klossmeyer. Two top five finishes. Second place at Bristol. And uh, fifth at, or I was going to say a fifth at Phoenix earlier in the year, excuse me. Five top tens, 139 laps led on the year. And the majority of those laps were the Wednesday night race at Darlington. Clint, this has been a, a make or break year. And sure enough, that Darlington race, even though he was dominating, he hit the wall coming out of the corner and spun out and ended up finishing down in the 20s. And I hate to say it, we all love Clint Boyer, but honestly, I feel like he will not be back in that car next year at Stewart Haas Racing. I just don't see it happening. So Clint Boyer, I got to give him a C- on the air. Sorry, I just have to. And Eric Kotz and Jason Boone, they also talked about their votes for most disappointing, most improved. And both of them, obviously, they are big, big fans of Tyler Reddick. So definitely most improved. I mean, he's a rookie, but still in that equipment, most improved, Tyler Reddick. Best driver, Kevin Harvick. They all agreed on that. Clint Boyer, that's Kotz's vote for most disappointing. So, now on to the number 17 of Chris Busher. And Chris Busher, this is another driver that I've enjoyed watching over the years, but only one top five finish. Just one top five finish on the year. And that was the third at the Daytona 500. So I feel like I expected a lot more out of Chris Buescher this year. I know a lot of people expect a lot out of Chris Buescher this year. So honestly, I have to give Chris Buescher a C- as well. Now, here we go, folks. Number 18, our defending NASCAR Cup Series champion Kyle Busch. Three second-place finishes on the year. Auto Club Speedway, the Wednesday night race at Darlington, and Atlanta. 8 top 5 finishes on the year, 10 top 10s, only 202 laps led on the year. Thursday night was the first stage win that he has had all year. July. July. I picked Kyle Busch to win the championship at the beginning of the year. A lot of people did. A lot of people thought, like, Kyle Busch is going to go back to back and this is going to be the next dynasty in the sport. So me and Jason Boone, this easily gets our vote for the most disappointing, our defending champion, Kyle Busch. That being said, I have to give Kyle Busch, Adam Stevens, and the 18 team a B-. Look, I know he's talked about there's no practice, there's no qualifying, whatever. Seriously, though, at the end of the day, they have set the bar so high these past five years, him, Adam Stevens, and the 18 team. There have been so many people that have been able to adapt to this. Brad Keselowski and Jeremy Bones, this is a lame duck season for Brad at the moment. He has a new crew chief, a new pit crew. It doesn't seem to phase them one bit. They've been fast ever since NASCAR returned every single week, whether it was Darlington, Charlotte, Bristol. Granted, I know that you know they've had a little bit of luck go their way as well, but seriously, though, some of these teams, they embrace the challenge, and I know how Kyle Busch can get sometimes. I feel like he needs to embrace this challenge, and I don't think he, he truly has. He, Believe me, he's driven. He's the most naturally talented driver there is in my generation talking about the 21st century, but I feel like, you know, you can only use that excuse for so long. No practice, no qualifying, whatever. Seriously, like I said, look at all the other Gibbs teams. You know, Denny has won five races on the year. Truex, we're going to talk about him in a second. You know, he got off to a slow start, but him and James Small, they have adapted very, very well. So I got to give Kyle Busch a B-. minus. Now on to his other two teammates. Number 19, Martin Truex Jr., One win on the year, the Wednesday night race at Martinsville back in June, four top five finishes, 10 top tens, and 454 laps led on the year. As we all know, Brad Keselowski, he wasn't the only one that went through a major crew chief change going into the year. Now, Cole Pern stepped down, James Small, who was Truex's engineer when he won the 2017 championship, impossible shoes to fill. Not a single top ten finish before the pandemic, Suspended the season March 13th, but ever since they have returned, they have racked up the top 10s and top 5s. They finally broke through at Martinsville, and I feel like Truex is going to be very, very strong this coming Sunday at New Hampshire, his home track, well, one of his home tracks. So Martin Truex Jr., James Small, the 19 team, I give them a B+. As of right now, I would say Kyle Busch, he'll probably make it to the round of 12. Truex, I say round of 8 material. Their teammate, number 20, Eric Jones. Now, Eric Jones, make or break year for him, contract year as well. His best finish was third in the Sunday race at Pocono with a backup car. Five top fives, eight top tens, 34 laps led on the year. You know, I want to see Eric Jones do well. I want to see him be able to stay at Joe Gibbs Racing. But honestly, I just don't see that happening beyond this year. I think that he probably needs a change of scenery, whether it's Hendrick Motorsports, whether it's Team Penske possibly, just somewhere different that could finally kickstart his career just like it did for Joey Logano when he went to Penske back in 2013. Eric Jones, I mean, he's constantly been the fourth Gibbs car. He is constantly bringing up the rear. And I know that he's, he's shown speed, he's shown potential, but he's also made a lot of mistakes along the way. And he knows that he is fighting for his job right now. But nevertheless, I would have to give Eric Jones, knowing that he could possibly miss the playoffs, i got to give him a C. Number 21, Matt DiBenedetto. This is another guy that has kind of disappointed me this year. Two top five finishes, second at Las Vegas, third at Kentucky, five top ten finishes, 23 laps led. I'll tell you something right now. If I were Matt DiBenedetto, I'd be worried. I would be worried right now. If Brad Keselowski is close to an extension with Team Penske and Austin Sindrick, granted Tim Sindrick's son, but Austin came so close to scoring his fourth Xfinity win in a row yesterday at Kansas Speedway, finishing second to Brandon Jones. I think Austin has shown that he is ready for the Cup Series in 2021. Obviously, I hope he's not going to be in the (laughs) two-car, like I've had a feeling for months, but I feel like if... Brad Keselowski, if they reach an extension, and if Austin Cindric, if he keeps winning these races, I mean, he's definitely going to be a part of the the Final Four for the Xfinity Championship. Matt DiBenedetto, this is a one-year deal, just like it was the 95 car at uh, Levine Family Racing last year. Matt definitely has the most to lose, and the way that he has performed this year in essentially a fourth Penske car, i got to give him a C-. Now on to his uh, quote-unquote teammate, Joey Logano. Now, Josh Manley, at the beginning, beginning of the year, he said, if anyone is going to benefit from these crew changes at Penske, it's definitely Joey Logano. You're getting Paul Wolf. He is arguably the best of the three crew chiefs at Team Penske. Him and Brad Keselowski, they won 29 races together, the 2012 championship. Sure enough, those first four races, Las Vegas and Phoenix, Joey Logano and Paul Wolfe, they found victory lane. But... For a while, until the Wednesday night race at Martinsville, those were their only top five finishes on the year. They've had two top five finishes since, a fourth at Martinsville, a third at Texas Motor Speedway, eight top tens, 587 laps led on the year, only second to Kevin Harvick, but still. Joey Logano and Paul Wolfe. The thing with Paul Wolfe, you know, he's unconventional. He goes out of the box. He was that way when he was with Brad Keselowski. He's still that same way with Joey Logano, but... Paul Wolfe and Joey Logano, their cars are getting worse as the race goes on. Brad Keselowski and Paul Wolfe, the car got better and better as the race went on. That's the way it is with Brad Keselowski and Jeremy Bones, complete opposite of when Jeremy was with Ryan Blaney. To me, I feel like they definitely have lost whatever edge they had before the pandemic shut the season down for two months. But nevertheless, this is a, was a championship four team that I expected at the beginning of the year. As of right now, they're definitely round of eight material in my mind. So Joey Logano, Paul Wolf, and the 22 crew, I got to give them a B-. minus. This one's going to hurt. And I hope Sean Rozanski is still friends with me after this. <laughs> Number 24, William Byron. Woo! Willie B. Not a single top five finish all year. His best finish was seventh in the Sunday race at Pocono. Six top 10 finishes, 72 laps led, and 27 of those were at Kansas Speedway this past Thursday night. I like William Byron. I want to see him get that first win. I want to see him be a part of Hendrick Motorsports for a long time to come, and I'm sure he will be a part of Hendrick Motorsports for a long time to come. But... They're just not getting it done right now. They just aren't. And I don't know. I mean, Chad Knauss. Chad Knauss is the greatest crew chief of all time, in my opinion. No disrespect to, to Dale Inman, Richard Petty's cousin, who won eight championships. But Chad, to win seven championships, five in a row at one point, 81 wins with Jimmy Johnson. I expected William Byron to have several wins to his name at this point in his career. And the fact that he doesn't have a single top five finish on the year that's definitely disappointing and it's pretty eye-opening to think that the best speed that William Byron has shown all year was Thursday night with Keith Rodden who had not been on the pit box for close to three years so I look at Hendrick Motorsports and I know people expect so much of him. I mean hell they're pretty much considered the New York Yankees of NASCAR so I don't know if maybe William Byron needs a crew chief change for 2021 I don't know Because the way I look at it, I feel like in order for Hendrick to return to the dominant team that they once were, you've got to bring in Brad Keslowski. You've got to put him in that 48 car. And he will provide veteran leadership and feedback. He will hold Chase Elliott, William Byron, and especially Alex Bowman accountable. Because honestly, I don't feel like anyone has his three seasons in the 88 car. I feel like Hendrick needs a shakeup. I feel like Chase Elliott. And Greg Ives should reunite. They won the 2014 Nationwide Championship together. I feel like you should pair Alex Bowman maybe with, say, Cliff Daniels, crew chief of the 48 car right now. Put out, Maybe put Alan Gustafson on the 24 next year, or even put him on the 88 with Bowman. Or even move uh, Dave Ellens up and be the crew chief on the 24 car. That's who William Byron won the 2017 Xfinity Championship with. I don't know, Chad Knaus. I just have a feeling that this could be his last season as a crew chief. He's going to be 50 years old next year. He doesn't want a crew chief past 50. I could see him stepping down after this season. So William Byron, I've got to give him a C- as much as it pains me. I've, I've got to give him a C-. Now, there's a couple underfunded teams, the 32 of Corey LaJoy, the 34 of Michael McDowell, 37 – well, not really underfunded, but 37 Ryan Priest, 38 John Hunter Nemechek, Corey Lejoy has impressed me with that equipment. A top ten finish in the Daytona 500. I got to give him a a D. Honestly, considering the equipment that he has, Michael McDowell and John Hunter Nemechek, the two teammates of Front Row Motorsports, C They have made so much improvement this year. I mean, Michael McDowell, he has those two top ten finishes. Eighth in the Saturday race. Saturday race of Pocono. 7th in the Brickyard 400, 3 laps led on the year. John Hunter Nemechek, 2 top 10s, ninth in the Sunday race at Darlington, 8th at Talladega. Granted, only 1 lap led on the year. They are getting the most out of their equipment, so C-plus for both of them. Now, the 37 of Ryan Preece. 4 straight DNFs, no top 5s, no top 10s, 4 laps led on the year, a 12th place finish at Bristol. I hate to do this, but i got to give Ryan Priest an F granted a lot of these things have been out of his control but sure enough you're in basically a satellite Hendrick Motorsports car Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has been kicking your butt all year I think what would be best for Ryan Preece go back down to Xfinity next year I think Chase Briscoe is definitely going to be moving up to the Cup Series get him in that 98 car at Stuart Haas Racing and sort of revitalize his confidence because Ryan Priest he his agency is a KHI, Kevin Harvick Incorporated. You have that connection, go run Xfinity for a few years, and who knows, maybe when that time comes where Kevin Harvick is ready to retire, maybe he'll be in the four car one day. You never know. 41, Cole Custer. First career win at Kentucky Speedway two weeks ago. Two top five finishes. They were back-to-back, Indianapolis and Kentucky. Four top tens, got another one thursday night at kansas only five laps led those were the laps at kentucky cole is definitely making strides on the year but i feel like there was still a long ways to go so as of right now i have to give him a c number 42 matt kenseth who came out of retirement finished second in the brickyard 400 at indianapolis motor speedway that was awesome and i'm trying not to be biased here or anything but i think i think all of us were sort of pulling for matt towards the end of that brickyard 400 Got a top 10 finish in his first race back. First race in almost two years at Darlington, finishing 10th. 12 laps led, but also a lot of bad finishes too. The spin at Darlington. He wrecked Thursday night at Kansas. Coca-Cola 600, the wheel hub at Talladega. I think Matt is definitely doing the best that he can with that equipment and that aero package. So I would have to give Matt honestly about a C+. Number 43, Bubba Wallace. So Bubba three top 10 finishes on the year, sixth place finish at Las Vegas, his best four laps led on the year. And honestly, performance-wise, I would have to give Bubba a B+. This is Richard Petty Motorsports. This is Richard Childress Satellite Equipment. You know, obviously you're not getting like the best equipment. So B+, plus, he has improved so much from last year, and it has to do with his crew chief, Jerry Baxter, who he won tons of truck series races with over at Kyle Busch Motorsports. Conduct-wise, Bubba Wallace, this is a no-brainer, A+. Plus. You know, I, I'm not trying to get political here or anything, but uh, obviously, Bubba, it's a very unique situation how when you are the only... African American driver and everything that has gone on in the country, whether it was the George Floyd situation, whether it was the Confederate flag, whether it was the news allegation at Talladega, Bubba has handled everything amazingly. Absolutely amazing. The way that he has handled things, the way that he has brought so many fans into NASCAR, the raw emotion that he has shown okay, you know, he might have stepped over the line a little bit with Michael McDowell at the All-Star Open, but nevertheless, you can't help but respect and admire how much of a voice and a leader that Bubba Wallace has become in the sport. So performance-wise, I'm going to give him B+, conduct-wise, A+. Number 47, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Three top five finishes, second at Talladega, Third at Las Vegas, fourth at Charlotte, three top tens, 66 laps led on the year. You know, Ricky has definitely gotten the most out of that 47 car, but typical Ricky, checkers or wreckers. That team, they have playoff potential, but Ricky has torn up some cars, some has been out of his control. I feel like, at this point, it's a must-win now. He has to win at Daytona in August. If he doesn't, they're going to miss the playoffs. That's the only way he's going to get in the playoffs right now. So with Ricky, I would have to – definitely have to give him a C+. He has definitely gotten the most out of that equipment. I mean, Ryan Priest was in the 47 car last year. He had one top-five finish, and sure enough, it was Talladega. This is a tough one. Number 48, Jimmy Johnson, his final season. Best finish of third at Bristol Motor Speedway. Two top five finishes. Fifth at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. Would have gotten another top five. Second in the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte, if not for being disqualified because of a part, legal part that was found on the car. Six top tens, only 99 laps led on the year. Sure enough, he missed the Brickyard 400 because of that false positive for COVID-19. I know this is Jimmy's last year, but I would have to give him a B-minus. They've shown the speed. They've shown the potential. They've had a shot to win races. At the same time, I feel like Jimmy has made some mistakes along the way. Good example of that was the Sunday race at Darlington. You're well on your way to winning that first stage. There was no reason to go up there and try to lap Chris Buescher. He went and did it anyway. He spun coming off a turn two and nosed it into the wall, and his day was done just like that. I mean, this is a seven-time champion making a rookie mistake. You know, and then sure enough, kentucky speedway driving across brad keselowski's front end at the very last second trying to block him and we all know brad isn't gonna lift and going on twitter and you know making a scene and pretty much blaming that all on brad Keslowski, that was terrible absolutely terrible and childish and immature from a seven-time champion someone that people have looked up to for such a long time jimmy i feel like if they didn't have all these issues, whether it was that, whether it was hitting the wall at Texas Motor Speedway, I feel like they definitely would be well on their way to the playoffs. But right now, like I said, it's very iffy on whether or not he will make the playoffs his last season. So B minus for Jimmy Johnson. And still, once again, we have no idea who was going to drive that 48 car in 2021. And ironically, when I say that, Now we move to his teammate, the number 88 of Alex Bowman. Surprising win earlier in the year, very early in the year, Auto Club Speedway in Southern California. Dominant fashion. I got to give credit where credit's due. He finished third. He won all but the second stage. He won all the practice sessions that weekend. Qualified third. But only two top fives on the year. Sure enough, second in the Sunday race at Darlington. Six top 10 finishes, 387 laps led, but a majority of those laps were either the auto club race or the two races at Charlotte Motor Speedway. I feel like him, Greg Ives, and the 88 team, they continue to make mistakes. They got a better finish than they deserved on Thursday night. They pretty much lucked into an eighth place finish with that two-tire call. So Alex Bowman, B-minus. B-minus. He's shown improvement, but I still feel like they need to run better And I also feel like Alex needs to show a little bit more maturity, too. I mean, he pretty much whined about Brad Keselowski at Pocono when it wasn't even Brad's fault. Brad wasn't even close enough to hit him. And I mentioned Alex Bowman and Jimmy Johnson because I found a very interesting piece on Twitter on Friday. Lee Spencer, who is a NASCAR reporter, said, The rumor is... That Hendrick Motorsports could be downsizing to three teams in 2021 and that Alex Bowman could take over the 48 car. That means that the 88 team would get shut down. I don't know what that would mean for all the crew guys and Greg Ives. I don't know what that would mean. Like I said, if I were Rick, I would just pair Greg Ives with Chase Elliott next year and maybe pair Alan Gustafson with William Byron. Maybe if Brad Keselowski isn't coming, then obviously just pair Alex Bowman with Cliff Daniels. But to me, I understand why Alex would be put in the 48 car, because he can't attract sponsorships. He's not the most marketable or approachable driver. I get that. But at the same time, I feel like Hendrick is missing out on such a big opportunity. You could get Brad Keselowski. You could bring him back after all these years, after you screwed him out of the five car in 2009 when you promised it to him. You could potentially get Denny Hamlin. You could have gotten Tyler Reddick, but he has another year on his contract. Eric Jones, that's another one that's been rumored for the 48 car. John Hunter Niemicek, whose dad Joe, raced for Hendrick Motorsports in 2002 and 2003. And you're going to put Alex Bowman in the 48 car, possibly? I don't know. I just don't like it. I think that, you know, Alex Alex had enough pressure to begin with taking over Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s 88 car. And you're just going to put even more pressure on him taking over Jimmy Johnson's 48 car. So... I don't know if that's exactly the best move if I were Rick Hendrick. I understand that, you know, it's all about sponsorships, but still. I feel like you've got to get someone like Brad Keselowski or even potentially Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin was on a boat with Jeff Gordon and Rick Hendrick a couple weeks ago down in Miami. You know, Denny, he still has a year left on his contract, but that's an option here. You've got to get someone over there with veteran leadership. Brad Keselowski is 36 years old. Denny Hamlin is going to be 40 years old in November. Someone that could help Chase Elliott become a championship contender. Someone that could get that aggression out of William Byron and make him a winner. Someone that'll make Alex Bowman finally grow up instead of, instead of whining over the radio about Brad Keselowski at Pocono when Brad didn't even do anything in that race. So I feel like they need to get a big name. And I just if you put Alex Bowman in the 48 car, it, it's just not going to stand out to me. It really isn't. And, I mean, Alex only has one year left on his contract to begin with. So, two more. The number 95 of Christopher Bell. One top five finish. Fourth in the Saturday race of Pocono. Four top tens. I got to give Christopher a C. I feel like he definitely got off to a slow start, but he has definitely improved as the season has gone on. But he's still making some rookie mistakes here and there. I feel like... The potential is there; they could roll off more top fives, and I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But nevertheless, I feel like maybe later this year, early next year, especially if he gets in that twenty car at Joe Gibbs Racing, he will be a Cup Series winner. And finally, the number ninety-six of Daniel Suarez: no top fives, no top tens. Missed the Daytona Five Hundred, finished eighteenth at Bristol, and Thursday night at Kansas. You know, considering the equipment that Daniel is in, I gotta give him a D plus. I mean, it's a Toyota, but you don't have this Joe Gibbs affiliation. I feel like Daniel has done a very good job keeping that car clean, keeping it in one piece. Obviously, Gaunt Racing, they don't have the budget of all these other teams. So Daniel Suarez, I feel like he has done a respectable job with that equipment. So there we go, the first mid-season report card. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Let me know what you guys think. Episode 14 will be out next Sunday, previewing the Fox Wood Resorts Casino 301 at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Sure enough, that's the only race of the weekend next weekend. I appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Be sure to like Jake's Take Podcast on Facebook. I appreciate all of your support. Have a great night. Y'all take it easy.